0: Greet all of the people that are watching us online, all over the country, and people outside of this country that contact us every week. So we're grateful that this can be a blessing to you. I will not be ashamed. Uh, uh, help us. If you can help us, we're building a new temple, and um, we're going to, we've had a lot of wonderful miracles already happen. Um I, uh ah uh, whatever I just I don't need to tell you all that just I have great stories I thought long and hard about my message today I want to teach you on something called the dynamics of a real church service the dynamics of a real church service if you've been exposed to me for any length of time you know I'm very prone to getting fascinated with a subject and I'll include that in my remarks to you. I, uh, I remember reading Jan Krakauer's book years ago called um, Into Thin Air about those poor, sad people that died at the top of Mount Everest. They got up there, but they couldn't get down. And uh, Neil Armstrong one time said, walking on the moon, was amazing, but it's the splashdown that'll kill you. And uh, uh, through the years, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know how many biographies and how many historical events um, that that I've tried to include and in, and in make my lessons with you to have some type of interest. I started diving 1981 in Japan, and I suppose it was because of that access that I've had to water all around the world through the years. Um, uh, In 1985, Robert Ballard discovered the Titanic. And like so many people, I was enthralled with him finding that ship after it had been gone for, well, 1912, 75, or 85, or 70. 73 years. And um, Ballard was on a secret mission. He, uh, he was tasked with finding two submarines. Uh, we've lost two uh, military submarines in the history. Of, I guess really three. We lost the, the Hunley, which was first, I don't even know, was that Union or Confederate? I forget. That was Confederate. But uh, as far as the United States military... In the 60s, during the Vietnam War, we lost two submarines. One was called the Thresher, and the other one was called the Scorpion. They were nuclear-powered. They had nuclear missiles on them. And so they wanted to check on them, you know, to make sure that that nuclear fuel wasn't leaking out into the ocean. and, And you don't want your enemies knowing where your secrets are located. And so Ballard was his cover story was looking for the Titanic. But what he was really there to do was find these two submarines. And um, he had 12 days left. And he it's fascinating to hear him talk because <clears throat> the way he found the submarines, he realized that when a submarine imploded, the heavy stuff falls straight down. But there's lots of other stuff <clears throat> that comes out of a submarine and it creates what's known as a debris trail. And whenever the whatever the direction the dominant current is flowing in, you know how many pieces of paper are on a submarine or pieces of plastic or, or whatever. So <clears throat> the reactor and other thing, that goes down, but there's this long trail and that's how he found his submarines. And so he realized he could possibly find the Titanic. So he wasn't looking for the Titanic. He was looking for the debris trail. And uh, he was up against a French company. They had um, 60 days to find the Titanic. Ballard had 12. Interesting story. The French missed it by 200 yards. And, uh, but he is credited, of course, with finding this, uh, this long-lost uh, ship. Um, last week while we were in church, uh, the Titanic claimed another five lives and uh, these five unfortunate souls now will share the same very cold depths with the 1500 plus people who lost their life 1912 when the Titanic sunk it just intrigues me you know if you've ever if you've ever, poked around or read anything about ships, maritime lore, Um, you know that many of the great wrecks through the years had sister ships. Um, I I got fascinated with a a German ship known as the Bismarck. And uh, after the first world war, there were conditions that were placed on the German government. And when Adolf Hitler came into power... He um, secretly began to lay the keel and build this ship, known as the Bismarck. This thing, this thing was almost 900 feet long. That's uh, three football fields. There's a phrase in ships; it's called the beam. That's how wide it is. This this ship is 120 feet wide. It's got four massive guns on the front, four massive guns on the back. These guns have a diameter of 15 inches. The shells weigh tons, as much as a car. This ship could shoot one of these shells over 20 miles. They could shoot it over the horizon. You, you could be dead and not even know it. You would not even have seen this ship. And it could blow you into pieces. In fact, um, the Bismarck... Um, sunk a very famous British ship known as the Hood, the Mighty Hood, which was the greatest battleship Britain had. And uh, the Bismarck sunk the Hood in three minutes. And um, if you read the journals of Winston Churchill, Churchill said there was only one thing that really frightened him during the Second War. And it was submarines, U-boats. Because Britain, of course, is an island. And everything has to be brought there and so they would have these convoys, supply ships. Hitler had a man by the name of Karl Dönitz. Dönitz said, if you give me 300 submarines, I'll win this war. And he would have, because Hitler started the war three years earlier than he said, and he gave Durnitz 60 submarines. They're sinking these ships, but they put these massive, this massive boat out to sea, the Bismarck it's got to come out of the north atlantic and get in those thoroughfares those highways in the ocean that these freighters these convoys of ship between america and britain and they knew that if the bismarck ever got in those thoroughfares it was unstoppable the Bismarck only lived for eight days after it was launched. Um, they threw everything at it and miraculously sunk the thing in eight days. But what a lot of people don't realize is the Bismarck had a sister ship. Her name was the Tirpitz, And it was just as big. And they, they knew that Churchill was going to try and sink it. So they hid it in a fjord in Norway in a... A bay up there there's a fascinating man named Barnes Wallace uh, Barnes Wallace built a bomb called the tall boy uh, I was reading about our bombs a while ago American military has something called moab moab and um, it stands for the mother of all bombs and uh, they it comes out of the back of a plane. It's got three parachutes and it detonates in the air above its target and it destroys acres and acres and acres. It can destroy five city blocks at one time. It's massive. But the predecessor to that was Barnes Wallace's Tallboy. Usually when you drop a bomb, it it just kind of goes all over the place, but not this thing that Wallace designed. They could launch it and it, it was like a dart. And so they flew over this fjord in Norway and they they dropped these bombs, the tall boys, and they they sunk the Tirpitz. And uh, um, it, it, was, it was amazing that these two ships never were able to do the damage they were designed to do. It, you, you possibly have heard about a luxury liner known as the Lusitania. The Lusitania was sunk at the beginning of the Second World War by a German submarine. And uh, it was not alone. It had a sister ship, which was known as the Mauritania. And uh, so I'm studying these massive boats. What what was it about the Titanic that's captured the imagination of people? Uh, Because the Titanic had not one, but two sister ships, the Olympic and the Britannic. They're just as big as the Titanic. And the Britannic suffered the same fate as, as her sister. And, uh, and yet it's the Titanic that gets all the airplay and all the attention. And so I have a theory that I'll share with you today. I, I, I am convinced that it's not the ship that enthralled us so much, but it's the stories that we know that occurred on the three hours before Titanic sank. Because when you when you study it, the, the, the Lusitania went down in probably five minutes, but uh, the Titanic didn't sink that fast. And uh, um, the Lusitania had Alfred Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was the richest man in the world. And uh, he uh, is just as wealthy and just as famous as John Jacob Astor, who was on the uh, Titanic. So both of these ships had wealthy people, people with means. Nobody talks about Vanderbilt. Um, Most of them had comparable loss of life. Lusitania had 1,200 people, Titanic 1,500. So if you study the night that Titanic sank, it was a beautiful night. The, 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 The North Atlantic was perfectly calm. There were many people out on the deck looking at the stars. They had an orchestra playing on the deck behind them. Um, but the more and more I read about this, the deck, the deck of the Titanic became a stage of human moral behavior. Um, behind me is a picture of a man named J. Bruce Ismer. Ismer is the financial muscle behind the white star line. In other words, Ismer owned the Titanic. And he was on the Titanic during that maiden voyage. And somehow he was able to sneak into a lifeboat and get away before anybody else did. And he made sure he survived. I don't know his name. I've tried. I'll probably find it somehow or somebody will tell me. But about a young 18-year-old Irish boy who had turned 18 the day before the Titanic sunk he turned 18 on the voyage and he was offered a seat in a lifeboat and he refused and said I'm 18 I'm a man now I'll stand with the men and uh, you have the Strausses, Isidore and Ida this is the man that owned Macy's department store and um they put his wife in a lifeboat and he's 83 and he has a cane and he's trying his best to get her on a lifeboat. And one of the young ignorant officers of the Titanic rebuked him and said, only men and women, sir. And when he said that, Ida Strauss said, where he goes, I go. And she got out of the lifeboat and got on the deck of the Titanic and escorted her husband. And they laid in their bed in their room and of course, both drowned together. Um, It's just these stories because when you read stuff like that, I think it causes all of us to say, I wonder what I would have done, you know? I mean, would have Renee climbed in the boat and said, see ya sucker. I wish you the best, you know? (laughs) I don't know. We don't know. It's a common thread when you study men that are training for combat that the veterans who are training those soldiers usually say something like this When the bullets start flying and you find yourself in harm's way, it's going to surprise you who runs and who stays and fights. I can relate to that for over 45 years now, I've been watching this drama play out every week. The dynamics of a real church service. Are you gonna go or are you gonna stay? Are you gonna stand and be true and real or when the heat's on, are you gonna fold like a cheap suit and make sure you save your own carcass? a real church service. I'm not talking about a bless me club. I'm not talking about this weekly habit that a lot of people call church. I'm talking about the struggle in the Holy Ghost that goes on every time his church gets together. I I was asked one time, "What's, what's the difference between your church and the others? And the obvious answer is we're Jesus people. And, um, I remember the way I cracked a rabbi years ago. They didn't want anything to do with me. And I, I quoted the Shema to a man named Avram Bornstein. Shema Israel Elohim. He looked at me and said, how in the world do you know that? And I said, I said, sir, I'm, I'm not like the other Christians you've met. I believe there's one Lord and his name one. And uh, it intrigued him and he let me into his life. Um, I personally believe the most biblically documented doctrine in the Bible is baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I I can't get sidetracked with that right now, but the Bible says whatever you do in word or deed, you ought to do it in his name. As far as I can see, baptism is both. And uh, how in the world can you claim to be a Christian and not want to have his name applied to your life? I, I don't get it. I just don't. So the obvious answer is we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are adamant about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So filled. When you read the book of James, there are five chapters in the book of James and Each chapter basically deals with the power of speech. Little rudder turns a big ship. Little bit turns a big horse. Tongue. I used to preach a message years ago called the little red devil behind the pearly white gates. (laughs) And this, but I don't know if they're pearly white now, but uh, whatever. Amazing that a tongue five inches long can kill a man six feet tall. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And uh, it's very obvious. The most difficult part of your person to control is the faculty of speech. I do not believe you can legitimately say the Lord is in complete control of your life if he has not taken control of the most difficult part of your flesh, which is your speech. And when the Lord fills you with his spirit and uses your mouth to praise him, in a language you don't know, that's power. Yes. That's power. And um, we're Jesus' name people, we're Holy Ghost tongue talking people. Yes, but I'll tell you what really separates a real church your spirit is going to get confronted, you're going to have to deceive. A lot of people call me pastor. I'm not all of those people's pastor. I'm their preacher. They come to hear me preach and they put a couple bucks in the pot. But if you're gonna call somebody your pastor, that means he's the shepherd of your soul. You are trusting that man with the bluest of the blue chips, your eternal soul. You don't go into that choice lightly. And I've told you for years You do not want to go to a church where you don't trust the leadership. If you don't trust me, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm doing the best I know how, but I don't know how, who said it. You can please some people some of the time. You can please some of the people all the time. You're not going to please all the people all the time. And uh, so, we say we have freedom of religion, but. Not us. Not us. If you're apostolic, you can't go to a Baptist church. You can't go to a Catholic church. You're going to go to another apostolic church. That's just the way it is. And I've seen people leave this church and move across the country for a job that pays $5 more an hour. And never stop to ask the question, I wonder if there's a good church there. I've released people to go to other churches because I knew there was a church there that they could go to. It's kind of like a bush. You pull it up and you replant it. Sometimes it flourishes, sometimes it dies. And uh, it's a traumatic thing when you change a church that you've been associated with for years and years and years. And I understand that uh, because church government is different. There aren't, listen to me, there are not two churches alike. Impossible. And uh, so it's a big deal when you go from something that you're very used to and you're going to something else. And um, I promise you that if you're going to go here, if you're going to call this home and you're going to call me your pastor, sooner or later, you're going to have the chance to get offended and I'm probably going to do something stupid. I don't mean to do it. I don't intend to do it, but... I'm, I'm not Jesus and I'm not uh, without flaw. And uh, I really truly believe the real basis of Christianity is forgiveness. And uh, you've done some boneheaded plays and I've forgiven you and I've done some boneheaded plays and I'd like to be treated with the same forgiveness. Amen. And uh, I know there's a higher price to be paid if you're a leader, I get all that. But I'm telling you that if you, in a real church, it's not just, okay, let's let Draylin do a couple cool songs and let's put a couple bucks in the pot and get us a QR code and do something. And I get up here and say, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. And uh, um, we go beat the Baptist to the buffet. Uh, That's not my idea of a church. Paul described it as a wrestling match. uh, It's not between people. You've got to identify your real enemy. Don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If it's got flesh and blood, don't fight with it. This is a match between the Lord of Lords and the father of all liars. Think of it, you know. you are in this church and... whatever let's say they're in a building campaign and many are committed to seeing that thing become a reality and you like the others have looked through your finances and found a way that you could make a sacrificial offering and then that preacher pushed you a little further and said are you willing to stretch because the first offering is something that is doable yeah you might not have you might just have basic cable and not all the bells and whistles. You might not have four cars in the garage. Um, you might not eat out as often as you used to. But uh, you 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 could see your way. You saw a path where you'd do it. But then there's that stretch. Are you willing to make a a commitment of faith that you don't have it, but if God would supply it, you'd give it to the campaign. And all of a sudden, it happens. (laughs) Your name is Ananias. It means I have the favor of God on my life. And that favor has been displayed. You've sold a piece of property. I mean, what was it? What what, what made him do what he did? Was, Was it a surprise that, Someone wanted to buy your property or or did you sell it for more than you expected to sell it for? We knew this building thing was gonna happen and we, we sold a house. We bought a house in the middle of the crunch. I forget when that was 10 or 11 years ago and got it for cheap. We put it on the market for twice what we bought it for. First person that walked in the house said, I want this house. And the second person that walked in the house said, I want this house. And the third person walked in and said, I don't like this house at all. And their realtor said, good, because I love this house. I want to buy it. And so they got in a bidding war. And it was $30,000, $40,000, $50,000, $60,000. Finally, $70,000 over asking price. And this guy said, i tell you what. I'll give you seventy dollars over your asking price and no inspection and no appraisal. And I said, you're on flesh, you're on. Cause I knew this building was coming and I saw God put money into our hands that we didn't have. And, and I, I li- listen, listen to Peter. Ananias, how did Satan get you? This is in the message. How did Satan get you to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back part of the price of the field? Before you sold it, listen, before you sold it, it was all yours. After you sold it, the money was yours to do with as you wish. So, what got into you to pull a, a trick like this? See, it wasn't selling the land that was wrong. In fact, Peter said, Hey, pal, it's your land, it's your money. The sin wasn't in selling the land or the price that he was paid for the land. The sin was in the lie. You you wanted to look like a big shot. Bible said, he laid an offering at the feet of the apostles. Look at this great sacrifice I'm making. You lying bum, you you, you got all kinds of money left over. It's just don't act like it's a huge sacrifice if it isn't. Thank God for what happened, but cut cut the charades here. Think, think of it. You're you're at the last dinner. See, I always thought Jesus and Judas dipped their hand in the salsa at the same time with the chips. But uh, that's not what it says. Listen to what it says. He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus said, that thou doest do quickly. I mean, think of the drama that's going on here. He's already said, I'm going to give this crust of bread that I've dipped in this whatever. Like an au jus, I guess. Just take a hard piece of bread, stick it in something to kind of make it a little softer. And then he hands it, he hands it to Judas. Their eyes meet. Judas knows that he knows. I found this verse, it's, uh, it's in the book of John chapter 12 and verse six. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. There's never a week that goes by when people don't give me money. It just happens. And I faithfully, Give that money to the church. I get paid every Monday. If I can't live on what I'm getting paid on, that's my problem. But people give me money all the time. A lot of it's cash. I either put it in one of them boxes or tell Sister Laura about it or just put it in an envelope. There are at least three times in the Bible when it said the whole city was there and he healed them all. Now you think of that, that's a long prayer meeting, pal. But after that's done, I'm convinced there were people that came and put a 20s in his hand and said, thank you for praying for my boy. Thank you for, man, I feel so much better. Thank you. And he would take that money and give it to Judas and Judas would put it in the bag, put it in the bag. And then I found this verse. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst. It's crude. Bowels gushed out. Years ago, somewhere between the North Pole and the South Pole, there was a church that contacted me. They were at the end of their construction. They were out of money and they didn't have enough money to pay their contractors. So they asked me to come and sift through what was going on. And I'm not an accountant, but I'm smart enough to realize this is what we had and this is where it went. So I sifted through all the receipts and the books that were there. There's $400,000 missing. And I went to the pastor and I said, what did you do with the money? And he played hide and seek with me for a while, but he realized I had him. And he said, I bought three rental properties, Brother Hop, and I've been here for years. I need to have a good retirement. I don't know if he kept the houses or not. All I know is they, they fired him the next day and rightly so. Lost his ministry, the church was growing. There was excitement. They were building a new building And I had to help them get an additional loan for 400,000 bucks because the preacher stole the money. See, I've heard people say, Judas bought that land with that 30 pieces of silver. No, 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 no. He took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it back at the feet of the priest who had convinced him to sell out his savior. Where did Judas get the money? to buy the land from the bag the reward of iniquity he's taken the money that people that are given the Lord to take care of the needs of the the twelve ends up buying him a little farm three and a half years you're walking with Jesus you watch him do I know. I, there's 37 miracles recorded in the Bible that Jesus performed. He did thousands of things. They're not written. Amen. He saw that, man. I mean, what's it like? You were there, man, when, when he brought Jairus's daughter out of that room alive. You were there when he grabbed that dead kid's hand in the casket and gave that boy back to his mom. You were there. You were there when Lazarus came out of the tomb bound with grape. You were there. You were there when he walked on the water. You were there when he took a kid's greasy lunch of bread and fish and fed thousands of people. You saw that stuff. You've been with Jesus for three and a half years, and all you've got to show for it is a little bit of property. He's in jail, prison, really, the inner prison. It's, I think, what we would call solitary confinement. And church don't know what to do, so they go pray. And it's very specific in the Bible. It said, and a servant girl by the name of damsel, which means a servant girl, by the name of Rhoda, she opens up the door and there's the pastor on the porch saying, hey, sweetheart, how you doing? And she runs in and said, pastor's on the porch. And they said, it's an angel, girl. Get down here and pray. And the answer's on the porch. But it was that servant girl. I I did a little homework with Roman law. Roman law did not require slaves to participate in the religion of their master. So here's a girl that's a servant girl. Going to spend the rest of her life just obeying the whims of her master's. And yet this girl's at a prayer meeting. And this is the girl that's the first one to see Peter miraculously delivered from the prison. (laughs) I just, I, 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 Matthew 8, Mark 5, Luke 8, tell this story of what's known as the demoniac of Gadara. Mark 5 said there was one, Luke 8 said there was a certain man. But when you read Matthew chapter 8, it said there were two that met him out of the tombs there were two i've never heard anybody preach about that other guy and i always thought you know i always told you well two guys here the same jesus one gets delivered and the other stays damned and doomed and but i i i i could i i think i'm mistaken i i can't imagine jesus not being able to cast out a devil ah uh, As a matter of fact, if you go to the end of this story, they told the city, guess what happened? We had revival and restoration in the graveyard. And they said, yeah, but what about our pigs? And this is what it said. And they besought that Jesus would leave their city. Think of it. He cast out the devils and the city cast out Jesus. How can you do that? Billy Cole told me something years ago. He said, Harold, I'm not afraid of devils devils are subject to the name of Jesus he said what I'm terrified of is unsanctified flesh Amen. he said I can't cast you out of you and when Jesus gets out of that boat what's your name I never did believe he was talking to devils I think he was talking to the guy what's your name but before he can respond legion it means thousands there were at least three Roman legions one had two thousand. One had six Another one had at least 10, something as much as 12. Let's take the minimum. And you go back to what Jesus taught in Matthew. Let's say you get this piece of house, you get, you know, my wife and I, we were in Waco, Texas a month ago, seeing the grandkids. And I asked her one day, uh, she said, I want you to do something for me. And I'm thinking, what can I do? And then I have this epiphany. I'm close to Waco. Chip and Joanna Gaines. And I take my wife to Waco, to the silos, paid 12 bucks for a couple muffins in Joanna's bakery shop. Went to her stores, blah, 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 blah. These people that have made famous fixing up houses, shiplap. <laughs> yeah, you saw them, didn't you? So the Lord says, you get this property and you clean it up and you sweep it, you garnish it, you paint it, but you make a sad mistake. You don't put a strong man in the house. Is Bob Licto in this service? He was in the first service. He may be out on security. Years ago, Bob Licto bought an old house in Detroit and rehabbed it and it was beautiful. And he had a nurse that was going to buy the house. And the day before the deal closed, people broke into the house. They ripped the carpet off the floor. They ripped the toilet out of the floor. They stole the heater, the air conditioner. They took the sump pump so that the basement would flood. It was just one day before you had somebody move in. Jesus said, you're gonna do all that work. You better put a strong man in that house. And this is what he said. If you don't put a strong man in that house, it's coming back. And not only is it coming back, it's bringing seven cousins. And them cousins are worse than the original squatter. So you do the math, ladies and gentlemen. There's one, you can't make him Lord. You can't control, you can't put your life in his hands. So what happened? Now you're eight times worse than you were. And those eight, you know, you have another encounter, but you can't bring yourself to put him over your life. And now them eight are going to bring seven more. Now we're talking 56. And you have another church service and you're confronted and it's your time, but you just can't bring yourself. And now them 56 are going to bring seven more. Now you're at 392, but you're still not in Legion turf yet. You've got to do it at least one more time where those 390 bring seven more. Now you're in a couple thousands. What I'm telling you is for these people to have legions of devils. You don't go from nothing to legions overnight. This is playing games. This is just camouflage. This is counterfeit. This is going to church, but you just can't quite bring yourself to just give them everything. It's so, always, you know, I'll give you the living room, Lord, and I'll give you the kitchen, but you can't have the backyard and you stay out of the basement. And there's people, we live our lives like that. But I'm telling you, when the Lord comes, you you can't keep anything back. You got to give him your fears. You got to give him your failures. You got to give him your dreams. You got to give him your aspirations. You got to be willing to give him that girl that you'd like to marry or that boy that you think you're going to marry or that house that you want. And on and on and on, I could go to where you just put that on an altar and you die out to that stuff. Because what's so amazing to me, there's a great scripture in one of the minor prophets. It says, if there's just a piece of an ear or a tail, it's a a shepherd who rounds the corner and all of a sudden the coyotes have just ripped one of his little sheep apart. There's nothing left except an ear and a tail. But the Lord said, it's enough. It's enough. You ever heard it? All the king's horses and all the king's men can't put Humpty Dumpty I'm not talking about just any king here. I'm talking about the king of kings. Yeah. That king might not be able to do it, but I'm telling you, the king of kings can put Humpty Dumpty back together. Yeah. If all he's got's an ear. and the reason I know that is even though they're dealing with thousands of devils, one more time, he drives them out, and they say, now I'm going to put you on the throne of my life. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? The Bible talks about the cords, not the cord, the cords of sin. That if you go to Delilah's barbershop once too often, it's not just going to be one rap or two. The Bible talks about the snare of the fowler. There's an enemy of your soul, sir. There's an enemy of your soul, ma'am. And knock him all you want, but he's been doing this for a long time. And he's really, really good at what he does. And if you're looking for a spouse, he'll send you something that's almost perfect. That might be the most beautiful woman you ever laid your eyes on, man. She may come from a wealthy family. There's only one problem. She's as carnal and she's as flesh oriented as anyone you'll ever meet in your life. What do you, I, I told one of our young people months ago it's so often that the right thing and the hardest thing are the same thing. And you gotta look at these things and, and weigh this thing out. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that's what's going on in this room right now. The drum are you going to stay with it or are you going to run away? Amen. Are you going to be in the battle or are you straight small and you're going to shirk and you're going to faint and you're going to just fall? No, no, no. It is just right, 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 right now. On the ship of this boat right now. There's a heavenly father, the puppet master of the universe, who has pulled the strings and orchestrated your times are in his hands. your feet, your steps are ordered. You are here by the grace and by the mandate of the Holy God. And I'm telling you, don't waste this day. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't lose this chance. Because in a real church service, there's always divine drum that's going on. Same message, same music, same invitation. Some will come, some will go. I've been pastor, I've been in full-time ministry for over 40 years. I've pastored this church 35 years. I have seen thousands of people go through this church. I've seen people that I was absolutely sure, wow. This, this guy's gonna be a powerful weapon in the hands of the Lord. And I never saw him again. And some of you, I wouldn't give you five cents for when you showed up. And you better thank God I'm not God because I wasn't patient with you, but he was. Because I do my best to love you, but I haven't shed one drop of blood for you. He loves you more than I could ever try to love you. And that patient, long-suffering Lord has enabled some of you to bloom and flourish. And I'll put you up against anybody on this planet. Think about that. Have you considered my servant Job? What kind of life do you have to live that the Lord would offer you for that kind of trial? I got people like that. And I can look at the enemy and say, you do whatever you want, but I know these people. They're never gonna deny them." They're never going to sell them. They're never going to get in the first lifeboat and hightail it. They're going to stay on the ship of that thing until it goes all the way to the bottom. And all the way to the bottom, their hands are going to be up and saying, as Kento said, sometimes he's going to keep me right in the middle of it, that I can be a witness to him. Right now, right now in this service, there are life and death choices being made. Several years ago, right there, I begged a boy named Edward to have lunch with me. 17, a gifted soccer player. Already had a full ride scholarship. Handsome. Have lunch with me today, Edward. Pastor, I got to do something. Cancel it. Come and have lunch with me. I'll I'll do it next Sunday, Pastor. I, I think we ought to do it right now, Edward. And he left. And the next night, his brother called me. We just found Edward, Pastor Hoffman. He went to a cemetery and put a gun underneath his chin and blew the top of his head off. And he left a note and said, nobody loves me. I'm all by myself but when we did his funeral at Whitechapel the proprietor of Whitechapel told me then this is the largest turnout of people we've seen in years thousands of people came to that funeral that the enemy told him you're all by yourself try the spirits what's talking to you Love these young people, please. You never had the internet. I never had the internet. I was bullied, but I wasn't cyber bullied. It's their whole world on that stupid phone. And all of a sudden, it looks like the whole world's against them. But I remember Kento telling me, it didn't matter what I did. And he said, I did some really bad things, Pastor. Pastor. Every time I walked in this room, your dad would put his arm around me and say, you're a good one, boy. And you're gonna make it. And so Harry's gone. So I tried my best to take up that mantle. And I filter myself among these young people. When's the last time you took one out to eat? When's the last time you had one to your house? When's the last time you invited them to go with your family on something. We've been very fortunate in this church for a long time. But we can't afford to get lazy right now. Because right every time we get together, there's a divine drama, a wrestling match going on with the Lord saying, I want you. And the enemy saying, I'm going to get you. And that pulling and that tug and that wrestling. Stand with. Stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. Would you come with me around an altar? These are not easy messages to preach. And I'll tell you why. Because there's an enemy out there. Jesus said, when you sow the seed, he said, a bird of the air is going to snatch that seed before it gets in the ground. And when he explained to the disciples what that meant, he said, when the seed is, the word is... Is sown. Then comes Satan. One of the greatest messages I think I ever heard in my life was an old man named George Glass who preached the message Satan among the saints. Think of it. Everything's going according to plan at the beer joint right now. Everything's going according to plan at the dens and the dives and the shaded and shadow places. What is the one place in a city that has the potential? to mess up his plans church I promise you Satan comes to church someone will get up in front of you just at that moment or something will happen just that delicate balance in the spirit trying to weigh out am I going to do this or not am I going to live this way or not is this just going to be a habit or a weekend hobby to me or am I going to be a legitimate disciple that's what's going on in this room Right now. right now with that in mind I'd like you to lay your hand on someone right now don't do it maybe Just maybe you need to ask them would you mind if I prayed with you men with men women with women you know have a little class here and uh, let's pray together Lord Jesus I may know this person well I may not know them well but I know you well. I'm not praying for these people because I'm smarter than they are. I'm not praying for these people because I I know more about you than they do. This is not the haves and the have-nots. I'm not closer to you than they are. I'm doing this out of obedience to this preacher and out of obedience to your word. Your word says freely I have received and freely I give away. I know the enemy will try and fight me and say, you have no business praying for anybody else. But this is what you tell the enemy. We're to agree on earth. As such any one thing, it will be done. We're not here to ask for money. We're not here to ask for the trinkets or the toys of this world. We're dealing with big stuff right now. We're dealing with life and death. We're dealing with heaven and hell. We're dealing with, are you gonna make it or are you gonna be lost? Father, I stand by my brother right now. If there's anything good in me at all, take it out of me and bless my brother. If there's anything good in me at all, bless my sister right now. I don't know everything she's dealing with. I don't know everything that's on his plate right now. But I do know this. Amen. That there were times of ignorance that you winked at, but your winking days are over. Your eyes are wide open right now and you're commanding us to repent. You're commanding us to repent. Amen. We're going to sing a song. It's appropriate for this moment right now. I want you to pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to pray. Let God flow through you right now. And I promise you as you bless others, you'll be blessed. I promise you as God heals others through you, you'll get healed in the process. Praise God. Hallelujah Holy in this moment